0: the panhandle news network the views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the panhandle news network wepm and wcst or west virginia radio corporation
1: nah man you see how good i look nothing signifies that more than a pinch hitter winning a game they shouldn't have played the old golden blue not this night yes, sir.
2: Yes, sir. not, sir, not sir. this night we don't pay attention to what happened, what goes on, on the outside we just do our job
0: Welcome to Panhandle Sports Live, the premier home for all things sport in the Eastern Panhandle.
1: He's across midfield. He's into the open field. Touchdown Martinsburg. Towards the pylon. Touchdown Washington.
0: Hear from the coaches and players that make the Eastern Panhandle the place for sports in the state of West Virginia.
1: This kid, he's got silver bullets and it's a two-possession lead for the Applebee.
3: Gets a high snap. Robinson trying to get to the outside. Makes a jerk move. Gets to the inside. Keyshawn Robinson. Touchdown, Cougars.
0: Be a part of the conversation on today's show by texting at 304-263-4321. The
3: throw not in time. Hedgesville going to Charleston. Gavin Young puts the drive up
1: 9-63-54. The Spring Mills Cardinals, 18-0 to finish the regular season.
0: Now, live from the Hoppy Kerchival Building in historic Martinsburg. Get your popcorn ready.
1: Panhandle Sports Live is on the air. Welcome into a Thursday edition of Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting here on WEPM and WCST. It is the 16th day of November 2023. We are a day out from the quarterfinals of the high school football playoffs, and we are two days out from round one of the NCAA football playoffs as well and uh, we've got a lot to talk about over the next 45, 50 minutes or so. Again, you can text us, 304-263-4321. Let's get the conversation started today. Somebody send in, let's get fired up. Somebody send in uh, their hot take so we can get Parker Stone fired up, who joins me in studio right now. Park, what's up? Was, uh, how was board-opping the Stubblefield Institute event that we had yesterday? It was a fantastic yeah, event. Yeah, it went great. We'll talk about it a little bit more on Panhandle Live. It's uh, it's, it's a little bit different to hear Hans Vogel's voice repopulate the airwaves here, isn't
3: it? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. It, it definitely was interesting interesting in that case. But yeah, like you mentioned, a really good event last night put on by the Stubblefield Institute over at Shepherd University's ballroom. And yeah, the, the deep of the conversation will get on Panhandle Live next hour. But overall, it was a really good event. It sounds like the participation was very well for it too. And you you always love to see that in community events like that. But yeah, get get that text line going this morning. I want to get I want to hear what you got going on, and I want to I want to get a little heated if you got something throwing my way. Yeah, Texas three zero four two six three four three two one. I want to see what's going on Thursday night Football tonight. Do you, do you think the Bengals give a Ravens a second straight loss? Do you think Lamar has a monster game? Do you think the Ravens are frauds and they haven't played anybody? Do you do you want to make fun and laugh at my fantasy team because Deshaun Watson's <laughs> out for the rest of the season? Go, go text that text line, 304-263-4321.
1: Also, you can get in touch with us on Twitter at EPSportsNetwork or X if you're so inclined. That's where you could find yesterday us putting out an advanced copy of uh, the first and second all EPAC teams, their PSAC teams, excuse me, that we'll talk about here in just a moment. As I open up our Twitter feed today, Parker Stone, and I look and see, you know, all the things we've been getting tagged in and the notifications is always great to see. Added a couple of followers yesterday and that total follower number currently stands at 666. Do with that information what you will. Someone
3: follow it, please. Yeah,
1: so if somebody would like to be uh, our 667th follower, that would be much appreciated. Sooner rather than later, <laughs> We please. need some good vibes on the Twitter. That does not mean to go unfollow us. That means to go follow us, please. Uh, but anyways, uh, the PSAC conference, of course, of what Shepard takes part in. Uh, released their first and second all-conference teams for the East and West Divisions yesterday, and uh, Shepard with some pretty hearty representation. On the first team, the quarterback was Seth Morgan, uh, Ty Lucas and James Bell on the offensive line, Jeremiah Taylor, the wide receiver, and return specialist Miles Greer. On the first team, defense defensive lineman Jack Baxter and defensive back Amari Terry. On the second team, running back Malachi Brown, offensive tackles Chandler Brown and Brandon Carr, kicker, James Bozick, and then the second team defense, Nathan Muley and Harold O'Neill. Muley, of course, a defensive lineman, and then Harold O'Neill, a linebacker. The offensive player of the year was Lock Haven's Chris Collier. The defensive player of the year was Kutztown's Tyler Wary, and the freshman uh, was Judd Novak, which I think is fair, and Jim Clements, of course, winning the East, was named the conference coach uh, of the Eastern Division, I should say, of the year. Not many disagreements for me, Parker Stone. Um, In terms of players that were on this list, I would echo the sentiments of one Robert Fry that I would like to see long snapper represented on this team. Um, But other than that, it's always nice to see good representation from Shepard. And I think for the most part, the committee got this right.
3: The only complaint I would have would be. I and I don't know if it was a case of maybe this offense playing really good towards the end of the season and not needing him as much, but I think Ryan Barrett got absolutely snubbed off this list. Yeah. He needs to be at least first. He needs to be at least a second team selection at punter. He had a fantastic season, and I don't understand why. And I mean, you can put stats to stats together and the like, but the two who selected above him, Zach Banta. I'll give Zach Banta credit for Millersville. He was an All Conference selection last year punter. He's pretty good. So. That was
1: the best punting performance I've ever seen watching college football live. With him and Barrick having multiple punts inside the five yard line, that wasn't. Those were the two. You're right. Those are the two best punters in the conference.
3: Yeah, and no disrespect to Nate Millard from Cootstown, but I, I I think that I don't, I don't know if that was just best team in in the league, give them the punter spot at first team or what. But I think Ryan Barrick as well as Millersville, Zach Banner are the two best punters in the Eastern Division. And I, I think that's undisputed right now. So I think they got
1: that one wrong. Um, other than that, I mean... The only two I would add to the list, I think, are JT Kumeyo and Christian McDowell yeah. on defense. Those yeah, are those two, two. But, you know, not everybody can make it, but those were two that I think that deserve to be included in the conversation at least as well.
3: Yeah, I mean, the other one that I would want to point out would be Wyatt Pelicano. I was very interested to see him not make either in the first or the second team. I believe he was a second team selection last year at guard. So, it, intrigued to see four out of the five make it, but Pelican are the only one not.
1: We but. just got our 667th follower. Thank you. Thank you very much, Coach Bill Sign. Everybody, uh, good vibes for Coach Sign to, for breaking the uh, the curse that we had there in our follower list. I'm sorry, Parker Stone, continue.
3: A free cup in football for Coach <laughs> Sign today. But, yeah, it's... Uh, Doing the Lord's work. Yes. I, I was very intrigued to see no Wyatt Pelicano represented when four out of the five linemen for the Rams were represented in this list. Shout out to Brandon Carr, by the way, making second yes. team. I know that's a that's a big shoe and a big Place to fill with Joey Fisher at the offensive line. He's still a second team selection in that case. So hats off to Brandon Carr for filling that position really well. But I mean that's yeah, my my biggest snubs are gonna be Barrick Pelicano, and I believe probably Kumayao's in that list as well. And May McDowell, as you mentioned. Those four were my snubs. But other than that, I think the got just about right on that. And I really cool to see a Lockhaven player and Chris Collier make the uh, offensive player of the year of the conference on the eastern side too. That Lockhaven was one
1: of the most fun stories this year in the PSAC. So and, and that's my in my opinion, the biggest hot take I guess I take away from this. So straight up, I would make Dan Mulroney the coach of the year. I think I would too. And even despite a losing record, I'm here for it. I mean, what he did in one year at that program. I and mean, that program was dead. They're going to win seven games next year. I oh, 100%. It. They're probably going to be the fourth or third best team in the East. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and speaking of the world of PSAC football, D2 columnist Carrie Moore will join us at the bottom of the hour. Uh, really quickly, we've got to transition because we also have some tape I want to get to on the other side. Uh, the Shepherd men's basketball team. Playing yesterday. By the way, Parker Stone also has a hot take about this week's opponents and Lenore Ryan. Uh, he likes to refer to them as a one-man army. We're gonna talk about that tomorrow. Uh, but Parker Stone thinks as though there's a, a certainly a, a very succinct path for Shepard to get a win in round one. So I would invite you to tune into tomorrow's show. We'll talk about that. Shepard basketball, though, picking up their second win of the season, they're now two and one. They beat Frostburg yesterday, 76 to 68 paced by Carson Poffenberger's 20 points. Daniel McLean corley starts the year with two 20-point game performances and then 14 points uh, in this victory yesterday. And then Marcus Banks continues to amaze off the bench, going for 19 points. So takeaways from this game with Shepard 2-1. and one. I really like their eight-man rotation with the five in the starting lineup, uh, along with Marcus Banks and Brody Davis coming off of the bench. We got to see Colton Hartman play uh, for the first time this season. You know, he's the tallest guy in the roster. He's a true five I'm excited to see what he can develop into. He puts up you know, two points and a rebound in six minutes. I'm here for it. And Ariel Godot continues to be a guy that can give you some spot minutes and a lot of you know, good effort for a short period of time if it's only a short period of time that he's going to be playing. But you brought this up when we were about to come on the air. Uh, every game this season, a guard has been your leading rebounder. So that's interesting. Uh, needless to say, uh, I don't believe Stefan Marcel played in this game. He was the eighth guy that I was leaving out of their rotation. And Shepard only attempted 10 three-pointers in this game. They were 3 of 10, as opposed to Frostberg, who attempted 31. So showing that you're a team that doesn't need to rely on the three-ball is key. Um, but the fact that you're going to need to step things up on the rebounding side of things, it's got to be somebody. In this game, it was Marcus Banks. In games past, it's been other guards. Uh, but there are things I like from the Shepherd team early, Parker Stone, and a couple of things that I think that they'll have to settle into as the season goes on.
3: No, I think the shooting could get a little bit better for this team. They only went one of six from three-point land in the first half. They got a little bit better, shot two for four, but you mentioned they didn't have to lean on it heavily in this contest. They shot 47% from the field, which is pretty good. I'd like to see that number get up to past 50, and if we get at that 50 range, then we're looking at a really good team. Defense played good. They held Frostburg State to only 36% shooting in this game. And they played really well, and they had a number of trips to those Charity stripe too. They went to the line 34 times in this game, but they were 67% from the line, 5-10 in the first half, 18-24 in the second half. That number at least needs to get to 70, if not closer to that 75 range for this team to really take advantage of the opportunities that they give them because, hey, we've seen it time and time again. The PSAC in basketball is a tough physical league, especially with the East right now. It's really tough. you got Stroudsburg, who's playing really good. Lock Haven was really good last year. You've got a number of really good teams. Westchester and Millersville are both premier programs looking like this year. This conference is going to be a dogfight, and you got to find and piece this stuff together during your out-of-conference play to get ready for that in-conference play because, again, it's, it's going to be haymakers and jabs left and right from all the top four or five teams in the conference. It's going to be an absolute dogfight towards January.
1: Will Shepard is again in action at home at the Butcher Center Tuesday at a 3 p.m. kickoff against Virginia Union. We will not carry that game here on WEPM and WCST. Our first broadcast will be against Bowie State State on Sunday. That's a 4 p.m. tip-off. Uh, so we will carry that game, and then we'll carry every single game, home, home or road, through the conclusion of the regular season, conference tournament, and hopefully the NCAA tournament as well for both the Shepherd men's and women's basketball teams. As the women have been action in action, excuse me, to start the season as well. Uh, they started off with a loss, uh, had a game postponed, and they're going to be. Uh, Taking on Bowie State as well on that Tuesday matchup at the Butcher Center. All right, we've got a break to take. When we return, we'll turn our attention to high school football. We were joined by Jefferson Head football coach Craig Hunter yesterday. We'll play back a portion of that interview. You're listening to Panhandle Sports Live on the Panhandle News Network. You're
0: listening to Panhandle Sports Live. Want to join the conversation? Tweet your thoughts on today's show at EP Sports Network.
1: Welcome back, Panhandle Sports Live, this Thursday edition. Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone hanging out with you. You can text us, 304-263-4321. We've got high school football coming up this Friday night as Kyle Wiggs will make the travel across uh, Interstate 68 from the palatial WAJR studios to call this Friday night's game for us on the Panhandle News Network between Martinsburg and Jefferson. We heard from Coach Dave Walker uh, back on Wednesday, and now let's hear from Coach Craig Hunter of those Jefferson Cougars today. Martinsburg winning, rather handedly, the matchup between the two in the regular season. But don't forget, Jefferson is the last conference opponent to beat Martinsburg back in 2007. They possess some significant athletes. They always have a puncher's chance. Here's a portion of our interview with Craig Hunter uh yesterday. Coach, let's just start by looking back at last week's victory against Wheeling Park. You know, big playability has been a story for you guys for much of the season. You get two huge plays from uh Tayshaun Roper and then of course the the Demarius Wallace play as well. Uh as you've been able to dissect the film from last week's victory, what are some of your takeaways?
2: Uh you know, just just the key things. You know, the kids were able to um uh, you know stay together and fight through adversity. You know, I think the kids thought that you know, we probably – the kids thought – talking to the kids, they thought we probably should have been up by more than seven points at halftime. And just, you know, we just kept fighting through some miscues that we had and just fighting through actually a tough team um, that we knew was going to be tough coming in. They were going to blitz us coming in. And we had to be able to withstand the blitz and withstand their waves and um, get the win. And the kids fought hard. And I mean that's some of the takeaways that we saw is just, once again, like you said, the big play capability of, of Tayshawn continuing to stand out. Um And being able to win a game, even when, you know, uh, you know, sometimes when Keyshawn doesn't really get the shine like people would think he would get the shine, we're still finding ways to win. um, Even though he did get the ball some, but just not enough that what people would think that um, to shine him out like that, that he's the the so-called quote-unquote star guy of the team. That you know, we still find ways to win by using the other athletes that we have um, on the field and spreading the ball around a little bit more.
1: Well, Coach, now putting a Wheeling Park victory under your belt, I do want to ask you this question. When you look back at the 11 games that you've played up until this point, tough game against Spring Mills early, uh, Spring Valley, Sharando, obviously, the other EPAC opponents you've had to play, uh, and Millbrook was a a one-touchdown victory for you as well. Is it fair to say that this is one of the toughest, if not the toughest, schedules that you've played since you took over at Jefferson?
2: Uh, I'd have to look back at my schedule. I can't really say it off the top of my head. I I would say it might be probably possibly in the in the top three, three or four. Um, I can't. I have to look back at all the schedules. Um, but it's it's probably one of the toughest schedules, you know. And, you know, being the tight games that we've had, that we've been able to see, be in some tight game situations, be able to hold composure and um, stay in games like that and sometimes be able to pull them out, except for the Sherando game in overtime, if we took them to three overtimes. But, uh, you know, this team has been able to withstand waves from teams. Um, we staying hits from teams, be able to come back and continually come back and stay on the path to try to win the game. And that's something that, you know, when teams get in big games like that and tight games like that, you want to see responses like that. And hopefully, you know, this, this is a little bit. This team has been battle tested in tight games.
3: Well, Coach, keeping it on the schedule since we're on that topic, for the second time this season, you're taking on Martinsburg. This time, of course, a much bigger stage than what it was the first time going around. We asked Coach Walker about this on Monday. I want to hear your perspective as well. Playing a team in high school for a second time, a team that's within your conference, is it more challenging? Do you think it's easier? Is there a mix of both in there? What's your perspective on that?
2: I mean, I've I've done this. This is my second time having to actually do this. I mean, uh, my – I want to say fourth or fifth year, fourth year, I think we did the same thing with Musselman. Um, I don't think it's any easier um, because, number one, you can't go back and say, well, this is what they did against us the first time because now each team has had an opportunity to go back and look at that film and check and see what deficiencies they had actually in that game. And now they've probably corrected that, and they know what to correct in that game. So I think it gets a little tougher because you're, you're, you're going to see now each team later on in the season, which they were actually able to correct some mistakes they might have done or had in that game, and they've polished some things up, so I think it's gonna be a little bit i think it's always a little bit tougher um to play those teams the second time around um because like i said they they made corrections to their team they made they the mistakes they were making earlier in the year and we played them earlier in the year um so they were able to clean up and polish up some things and you know um I said before to another to another broadcast when they came in and interviewed me you know. They, early on in the season, 2 they're still, they were still figuring out the dynamics of the team. You know, Coach Walker's back. They're figuring everything out. And now they got all that figured out. I mean, this was game, what, three for them? They figured, figured all that stuff out now. So I'm pretty sure they're, they're probably way better now than what they were when we played them earlier in the year.
1: Well, Coach, obviously the the good news is you don't have to go as far for your round two playoff game as you did last year. But, you know, the bad news is it's a a very talented Martinsburg team, like you mentioned. And I'll, you know, say this for you, Coach. I think this is a a matchup of two teams that possess some of the best skill position players in the entirety of the state. You mentioned what you've seen from film, you know, without giving too much away. You know, what did you see that kind of needs to be addressed from the first time you played Martinsburg?
2: Um, I would say that we – We've got to make sure we clean up our – on offense, I think we've got to clean up our assignments as far as making sure uh, we get that – getting that tough defensive line blocked up. Um, I think we had some mistakes in our, in, our, in our assignments of what we're supposed to do, making mistakes there. And you, with that great defensive line that they have, you cannot make those assignments those, – those mistakes. Um, also, defensively, uh, going back and looking at it, we just got to tackle in the open field better. Um, I thought we had some some situations in the game that that may have uh, been able to keep us closer longer in the game where we just missed some open field tackles where it was right there did the rights and we just missed them um, you know granted, they call some of those misses, but you know we make some of those tackles um uh, I think we you know we stay in the game a lot longer than when we were able to stay in the game uh, so I think if we tackle better and clean up some of those mistakes off I think we put ourselves in a better position um, to be in the game.
1: Well, well Coach, in building off the, the conversation of athletes, I mean, you guys have an opportunity that not a lot of teams do against Martinsburg where you've got, you know, some similar athleticism on the back end in terms of your secondary. You know, do, do you feel as though you have more options in terms of being able to trust guys in one on one coverage with you know Tayshaun or or or, Keyshawn or you know the, the guys that you have on the defensive side of the ball that allow you to free up other defenders to attack this martinsburg offense
2: uh i mean i think I think we do have um um other uh, our guys in the skill positions on our offensive side to be able to um possibly win some one on ones um against them defensively uh like I said as long as we get as long as we can give ourselves time to be able to throw the ball and, and Dylan can buy some time back there to be able to get get it to those guys. I think we do have the, the skill set of the kids to be able to um uh run run with those guys and, and find space in the secondary and and again vice versa when they're on defense I think we I mean they're on offense I think our defensive guys we have some enough speed to be able to, to try to, to base well not try but to run with their guys offensively. Um so I mean I think we do have the the speed skill set wise to be able to run with them, but I mean you know like I said the key thing and everybody that plays Martinsburg is going to tell you this is getting those guys up front blocked. Um, I mean those those guys are really good and we just got to make sure we do what we got to do to get them blocked up front.
3: Well, coach, is there a position group you're looking at for this game where you're looking and saying okay this group has to have an amazing day or a really great day? For us to beat Martinsburg this upcoming Friday, is it the secondary? Is it Dylan at quarterback? Is it your running back group, your skill position players? If there if there's one position group you're looking at at that for that, who would that be?
2: I'd say the O line. The offensive line has to have a, we have to have a good day offensive line wise because um, that's gonna that's gonna hopefully create running lanes for us to be able to run the ball and give Dylan time to sit back in the pocket and be able to throw the ball. So I would say that that group.
1: Uh, well, Coach. Lastly, this—I mean—you guys have an opportunity with, uh, despite going on the road, but still being close to your campus—to you know, get a lot of fans uh, there to Martinsburg's field on Friday night. Are you kind of excited uh, for the atmosphere? Of course, Jefferson's the last Eastern Panhandle team to to beat Martinsburg back in 2007. You know, are you pretty excited for a matchup to get another shot at the Bulldogs?
2: I mean, um, you're, I mean, you're always excited when you're in the playoffs to um, you know continue playing. Um, no matter who it is, you know Martinsburg. If it happened to be, you know Parkersburg, you know any of those teams that are still in the playoffs, Princeton, Bridgeport, you're still excited to be able to play. The fact of being able to go right down the street where your kids can actually sleep in their own bed, get up, it's familiar territory, familiar grounds, the routine to be more familiar to what, what, we, what we've been doing. Um, the atmosphere, um, I've I've never been a head coach in the in this type of atmosphere, but I was assistant coach on the staff in the atmosphere when we played them um, in 2004 in the playoffs, in the same quarterfinals, same weekend that it is this weekend right now. Um, so it, it was it was a crazy atmosphere, just keeping the kids focused on what the task is at hand. Ho- uh, hopefully everybody's fans will be out. Hopefully both teams will be able to put on um, a good show, good game, Um and, you know, somebody's going to come out victorious, somebody's going to come out the loser. But, you know, hopefully both teams play well and we get to see uh, the fans get in the community get to see a good football game.
1: That's Jefferson head football coach Craig Hunter. The Cougars defeating Wheeling Park in round one of the playoffs for Martinsburg. They defeated Parkersburg South. Parker Stone had the call of that Wheeling Park-Jefferson game. I'm sure it was a fun atmosphere, and I think that's the most exciting thing. You know, you know, a lot of things have to go right if you want to upset a team like Martinsburg. It's easier said than done, obviously. But your fans being there is a big part of it. And Jefferson is doing everything they can to turn, um, you know, that stadium into a neutral site game. And uh, I, I think it's going to be really fun when they kick the ball off. Obviously, like he said, you've got a daunting defensive line to go up against in Martinsburg. You've got the offensive and defensive players of the year to worry about. There's a lot of things going against you. But I'm excited to see, you know, when this game is kicked off, how loud that sound that stadium is uh, and how loud the Jefferson voice is going to be.
3: No, it's always fun when these two teams play against each other. There are a lot of great athletes, a lot of Division One caliber athletes on both these rosters. You look at Robinson and Roper for Jefferson. You look at Clement and Reed and Hancock for Martinsburg as some of the big guys on either team's lineup. And just the guys that fill out those spots too, those guys are still – very consistent, very high level players on the top end. It takes more than a superstar for you to win games in the in the pack, and especially now when you're coming into quarterfinal playoffs. There's a reason these teams beat Parkersburg South and Wheeling Park because they're really they're t- they're two of the top eight teams in Class AAA, and these two again are gonna. Ha- I think it's gonna be an absolute show. They're gonna put on a lot of stuff. I'm expecting Coach Hunter and Jefferson to throw the kitchen sink at Martinsburg and just give it everything they have in this one. And for the Bulldogs, it's a chance for them to really take that next step and cement this year being one of the maybe greatest years in Martinsburg football history with a victory at home at Coburn Field for what's going to be the last game at Coburn Field this season. So it's
1: going to be an exciting one. I'm very intrigued to see how that game goes on Friday. Again, Martinsburg hasn't lost a conference game since 2007. Kyle Wiggs will have the call coming up this Friday night. It'll kick off at 730 between Martinsburg and Jefferson. Spring Mills is taking on Huntington on a saturday we will not be able to carry that game although we'll we'll tweet out the uh, video stream Uh, to make sure those of you that can't make the trip are going to be able to watch that game. And we'll talk to Spring Mills head football coach Marcus Law uh, coming up on tomorrow's Panhandle Sports Live. Got a break to take. When we return, we'll turn our attention to the world of Division II football with Kerry Moyer joining us. Take a look at Super Region 1 that Shepard left behind and Kerry's thoughts of Super Region 2 in the matchup against Lenore Ryan. Stay tuned. You're listening to Panhandle Sports Live.
0: Mix up your sports coverage with Panhandle Sports Live. Heard on the Panhandle News Network.
1: Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live. If you missed any of your part of today's show, we're going to be posting this episode a little bit later on on our Panhandle News Network Spotify page. I'm Luke Wiggs, Parker Stone joining us via the magic of telephone is PSAC columnist for D2Football.com, Carrie Moyer. Carrie, how are you on this Thursday? It's playoff time.
4: <laughs> it's playoff time. So uh, excited! Couple days away.
1: Absolutely. So I, I got to catch just a small portion of your preview with Chuck. And of course, we'll tell the listeners in just a moment how people can rewatch that if they want to. But from what I understand, uh, you had a pretty interesting experience the last time you went to Hickory, North Carolina. Is that correct?
4: Uh, absolutely. And I'll tell you what, to be able to make that connection, to put uh, Shepard and uh, Lenore Ryan, uh, you know, uh, in, in the same package from 10 years ago, uh, I thought that was pretty neat. So got some, some pretty cool feedback from some folks about that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So before we turn our attention to that Shepherd game, I want to stick with Super Region 1 for just a moment and uh, talk about how things kind of went down. Well, let's actually take it back a step further and, and talk about the PSAC title game that, of course, with Kutztown upsetting Slippery Rock kind of shocked all of us and then shocked us again when it knocked Slippery Rock from the projected number one seed in the region all the way down to to number four so talk about kind of what went wrong for the rock last week and was it as big of a surprise to you as it was to us that with a loss they fell all the way down to the four
4: so the loss and the fashion of the loss yes uh you know falling to four you know they ended up having that you know having that uh that loss so you know that kind of makes sense but wild game uh you know uh chuck and i were both there covering it for d2 and uh I talked about it, you know, a little bit, uh, you know, last week of, you know, the rock kind of gets off to slow starts, but sometimes, you know, whether it's the second quarter, third quarter, things start to hit and the floodgates open just never happened. But uh, a guy give all the credit to coach Clemens, again, that that golden bear team ready at Kutztown, uh, you know, coach Fargo, the defensive coordinator, uh, very reminiscent of what we saw, uh, you know, down at Ram Stadium when uh, the Bears, uh, you know, held uh, the Rams to just that field goal. They just did a great, great job on defense, uh, ball security, and, uh, you know, so it was very surprising. That said, you know, I know some people have made the parallels to it, too, you know, for Slippery Rock, you know, kind of going back to Shepherd season last year, the PSAC championship game at IUP, and then, of course, we saw what happened once we hit the playoffs.
3: Absolutely, Gary. So going into the matchup with uh, Shepard and Lenore Ryan, some of the biggest things to look forward in that matchup. I know a lot of fans are going to be traveling down for this game, and I, I've i heard nothing but absolutely beautiful things about the uh, the environment between the bricks, as they call it, down at Lenore Ryan. Could you expand on that a little bit from someone who's already been down there?
4: Sure. So, uh, again, I kind of talked on our show last night about being down there 10 years ago. So <laughs> I was down at Ram Stadium when Westchester uh, you know, beat Shepard in the Super Region 1 playoffs. Uh, and then represented Super Region 1, which played Super Region 2, uh, that year in the semifinals. So went down to Hickory, North Carolina, uh, to see that game, the semifinal game, and, uh, it rained and it rained and it rained and it, <laughs> it rained. So some big differences between 10 years ago and now they had a, a grass field back then, which was really a mud field. Uh, and, you know, of course they have the turf now, but, you know, Chuck lived down that area for a while, you know, was covering the sack you know, kind of talked about it and, of course, being at shepherd a lot, too. And, you know, my experience is both of these teams have very passionate crowds and, you know, what what the Rams fans are, are accustomed to at, at Rams Stadium and just the excitement that goes in the game day, uh, two teams that kind of share the same passion, you know, within uh, within the school, within the community. So it should be a great experience for everybody that's traveling down. Big difference between then and now. Uh, They ran the triple option back then. So, again, I still think if that semifinal game was played, you know, on a turf field, maybe some different weather conditions, you know, 10 years ago, that that outcome would have been different. But, you know, looking at uh, this year's team, it's a very even split what they do on offense between the the run and the pass.
1: Well, varying different ways to view the matchup between Shepard and Lenore Ryan. I mean, in your opinion, it comes down to Shepard needing to do what to win this game?
4: So playing, you know, solid on defense, not giving up big plays, and really, you know, offense, gain, gain a good start. And, again, you know, everything dropped yesterday with the uh, PSAC, you know, uh, after the season, honors, and, mm-hmm. of course, uh, you know, Seth Morgan at quarterback. But one of the things I talked about a little bit is, uh, you know, the amount of O-linemen from Shepard that are um, on that, PSAC first and second team. You know when you have four guys like that, that's pretty much the way it is with the rock out in the West. That is huge, especially with this defense. I think that you know you're going to see a size advantage with uh, with Shepard. But you know what we talked about early in the season with Shepard's defenses. Uh, Lenore's Ryan's defense is very aggressive and very fast. They have a linebacker that uh, you know Ross May that you know Chuck thinks is probably the best defensive player uh, you know in the sack. Uh, They have a D lineman, Andre Jefferson, um, you know, that leads a team in sacks and and tackles for loss. So having a a great day from the guys up front for the Rams uh, and being multifaceted with the game uh, again, you know, with the run to pass for both teams is going to be, you know, the recipe for success. I think this is a great matchup. You know, that said, the winner of this game is going to end up, uh, you know, playing the number one seed, you know, Bantic next week. But I think this game, um, you know, down in Hickory is, is going to be a great game.
3: Well, Kerry, you mentioned the uh, end of regular season awards in the PSAC that got released yesterday. If you could come up, well, maybe your two biggest headlines from this season, was it Shepard maintaining after the end of the Bajan era? Was it the emergence of Kutztown after two lost Lockhavens rise to prominence? What maybe two of the biggest takeaways and stories from this year in the PSAC for you?
4: Well, I would say for the Rams, it's kind of they're at the point of the season now where where I expected them to be, you know, early on. So I don't think that's a big surprise for me. So you you kind of mentioned, I think what Lockhaven's doing and and Coach Coach Mull up there and, of course, you know, Collier, the PSAC East uh, Offensive Player of the Year, I think that is a huge story. I think we're going to see, you know, the – Reshuffling a little bit of you know the the power order in the PSAC East. You know, Cutstown and uh, you know Shepard are always going to be up there for the foreseeable future. But Kutztown, I talked about last night. You know, after you know, going zero and two that second game, you know, giving up twenty some points in the fourth quarter to Cal. It was like, you know, where's this team at? But, um, you know, great football teams rise to the occasion, and they ran the table after that. And, again, that, you know, defense and what they've done, uh, you know, Tyler Wary, um is, is an incredible linebacker. He was a PSAC uh, East defensive player of the year. But what that defense did in shutting down all the top offenses that they faced, I mean, they, they shut down Shepard. They shut down East Stroudsburg, and they totally shut down, uh, you know, Slippery Rock. So, you know, the the old uh, footballisms there with defense wins championships. I think they're in a great position. But no, the rise of uh, Lock Haven and. Uh, you know, the, the Kutztown, uh, Golden Bears, you know, just really resurging after those uh, opening season losses, I think are probably the two biggest stories in the East.
1: Well, Coach, or uh, Kerry, excuse me, in, in the super region that uh, Shepard is leaving behind, Slippery Rock taking on East Stroudsburg, Charleston against New Haven, uh, two different conference opponents getting the matchup there in Kutztown and Virginia Union. Of those three first-round playoff games, which one intrigues you the most?
4: uh definitely uh Kutztown and uh, Virginia Union and I'll be up, back up at Andre Reed Stadium for that one this weekend. Um you know of course I think it's going to be a great matchup you know with uh the Rock and East Stroudsburg. You know of course the Rock uh, you know ran the table in the west but you know let's not forget about the crossover games that East Stroudsburg had. You know they went out and beat a healthy IUP early in the season and of course you know, last week, week 11 was winning. You're in, so they beat Calipa to get into uh, the Super Region 1 playoffs. So that one's uh, that one's great. You know, of course we see New Haven back into the field. You know, we saw them last season. You know, down at Ram Stadium when uh, when Shepard took care of business. You know, in the playoffs. But uh, the most intriguing matchup, I think it's going to be great. Jada Byers, you know, one of the the top backs in all of Division 2. Uh, a big, uh, strong offensive line for Virginia Union coming into Kutztown going up against uh that Golden Bears defense uh is, is definitely my game to, to watch up here in super region one we got a big one down super region two we know uh, but you know in super region one that's that's the game that i'm most interested in
1: well and carrie as you mentioned you and chuck both broke this down on x yesterday i'm going to be watching that broadcast in its entirety the second we get off the air today uh where can people find that show specifically and any more content uh that's coming out from you and chuck in preparation for round one of the playoffs
4: Absolutely. So on Twitter or the X uh, at D2Football.com, Chuck got it uh, out on there last night. It should be up on the D2Football.com website today, but you can find it, uh, both Chuck and I put it out, and uh, you can find me on Twitter or the X at Kerry Moyer, at C-A-R-Y, Moyer, M-O-Y-E-R.
1: All right, very good, Kerry. As always, we really appreciate your time. I hope you have an exciting game uh, there at Andre Reed Stadium and uh, good vibes for Shepard, right, in round one after they've uh, been displaced into their region. Kerry, thank you for coming on.
4: Absolutely, and uh, since it's a PSAC team against a non-PSAC C-team, I can say Go Rams.
1: <laughs> Perfect. We'll we'll let you go on that. Again, that's uh, Carrie Moyer of D2Football.com. Our first Go Rams of the year by Kerry Moyer. I'm here for it. Took him long enough, didn't <laughs> it? <laughs> I'm excited for some of these matchups. Slippery Rock in East Stroudsburg is, you know, the best of the West against an East Stroudsburg team that's, you know, probably third, well, certainly third in the East. You know, UC and New Haven, two opponents that we didn't have a huge radar on until the end of the season. But Charleston's winning the MEC and taking on New Haven coming down from their northeastern part of the country, and then Virginia Union, like you meant, like he mentioned, with Jada Byers and Kutztown as well. Each one of those matchups is very intriguing in their own right, and then you take it a step further. If Slippery Rock's able to beat East Stroudsburg, and I would expect the Rock to be favorites, then you get the matchup of the two best teams in the region, in my opinion, in the second round between Tiffin and Slippery Rock. So this ends up being a really fun super region that Shepard is leaving behind.
3: Yeah, the SR1's going to look really intriguing for these matchups again. It's the offensive rushing attack of Virginia union against Kutztown's defense it's going to be fun to watch i and I'm interested to see how Virginia union attacks Kutztown because again i i'll I have to I have to eat it on this one and I, I owe an apology to Kutztown because I was calling them kind of riding on the edge of a lightning bolt and I don't think I use the FRAUD word a ton with them but I, I was questionable <laughs> with them on that but I, I owe an apology to Kutztown they are a really good team they're built defensively and Judd Novak is a really good game manager and he proved it winning freshman of the year in the eastern division so Kutztown's a really good team and those two matchups are going to be really fun Howie Stroudsburg's going to Respond to a really upset slippery rock after losing the PSAC title game. I'm very intrigued to see. Charleston, funny enough, I was very shocked to see this was the first time. Charleston football has ever won the MEC was this year. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to see how they handle the pressure going to the playoff taking on New Haven that's been in that position before, has been on the road in the playoffs. And of course, what is led to come for Shepard in Super Region two and what is to be expected in Lenore Ryan. During the breakdown, I'll, I'll spoil this a little bit. Uh Chuck and Kerry meant pretty much called this a coin flip game, and there's a lot going on. I've seen people comparing this this Lenore Ryan team to East Stroudsburg a little bit and on the way they're built. Tough defense, really good rushing attack. So it's, it's going to be a very intriguing matchup this Saturday against Shepard and Lenore Ryan. I, I think that's going to be the matchup of the weekend between all those teams in the PSAC, just how Shepard is going to take on a new environment, going on the road to North Carolina, and how they're going to respond to being moved out of comfortable territory to a new environment.
1: Well, we'll preview that game in its entirety tomorrow. An editor's note, we do not have a Ernie McCook show tonight. Shepard, as a team, is traveling down this evening, so we're not going to be able to have the McCook show on nine, The Big Dog, but we will have, of course, that Ram football broadcast coming up this Saturday. Pre-game at noon, kickoff at 1, as they take on Lenore Ryan in round 1 Of the Division II playoffs live from Hickory, North Carolina. You're not going to want to miss that. And you're not going to want to miss our final segment. We'll preview Thursday night football and get Parker's picks as well. You're still listening to Panhandle Sports Live.
0: Want to revisit an episode of Panhandle Sports Live? Follow the Panhandle News Network on Spotify today.
1: Final segment of Panhandle Sports Live for this Thursday edition. You can text us 304 263 Coming up, we'll take a look at Thursday Night Football and give Parker Stone a chance to rant about what's going on with JMU. But before we do that.
3: Yeah, well, that's called beginners luck, 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 luck. Uh... Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Prove it it's never fails, never failed once. We dipped our toe into the match and we came out with a little bit of cash. Congratulations to copiers for the second straight day. We go perfect on Parker's picks. We were able to hit the Rutgers money line against Georgetown. Rutgers. They win by 11 over the Hoyas at home. Ohio covers a 10.5-point spread against Central Michigan, 34-20 to 20 the final in that one. And we hit the under on total points. Miami of Ohio beats Buffalo 23-10, to 10, making that... Total 33 and under that 39 and a half point line we were looking for. As always, it's Thursday Night Football. Let's take a look and we got we got Ravens and Bengals. Finally, we get a good Thursday Night Football game. It's felt like forever since we've had one. So I'm taking with today's lock. I'm going to go with Joe Burrow's 225 plus passing yards. I feel like the Bengals are going to have to throw it in this game and they're going to have to find ways to get around a tough Ravens defense that is surprisingly upset by the Browns last week. How are the Ravens going to respond? I think Burrow's going to throw the ball a lot. 225-plus, I think, for Joe Burrow is a safe bet to go for. I've got Tyler Boyd as well, over 43.5 receiving yards in this contest. I think just he'll be the number two option in this offense behind Jamar Chase, and he's going to be targeted a lot with no T. Higgins. Tyler Boyd had a great game last week. I feel like he's going to be a good option, especially with Baltimore, who likes to be really physical with their corners. He's going to be a really good safety valve for Joe Burrow in this contest. And I got Lamar Jackson as an anytime touchdown score. I think Lamar gets into the end zone tonight. It's been a little bit since he's got in, and for all you Lamar Jackson fantasy owners over there, I I understand you've been dealing with some pains with the Ravens having good games and Lamar Jackson not putting up points. So I think he gets a touchdown for you tonight. Joe Burrow, 225 plus passing is today's lock. Tyler Boyd, 44 receiving yards or more, and Lamar Jackson gets in to the end zone tonight, or combine picks four thirds tonight. Football. So
1: you're not picking up a straight. Or you're not picking a straight up winner. because I, I get,
3: got the Ravens tonight. I think it's too close to call. I got I, the Ravens. This is a coin flip game. I don't want to risk it. Give me the Ravens by a touchdown. uh I mean, I don't know. I feel like the Bengals need the win two to stay alive in the AFC North race.
1: So mT Bank 50 degrees. It's a, Come on. It's, give me, give me it's the birds. Being,
3: being on the road, I think I would slightly. If you like, told me I had to pick one, I would
1: slightly favor the Ravens. I think it would be like. And Higgins isn't playing, right? Who? Aren't the aren't the Bengals down a receivers at Higgins? Yeah, T Higgins is not playing yeah, in this yeah, game. Yeah. Okay. All right, very good. If you said that already, I apologize. All right, we got a couple of seconds left on the show. I did want to give you a chance of uh through your NCAA 14 family tree a chance to defend JMU's honor before we get off the air.
3: Well, the uh, the ruling came down. Of course, JMU's been having a fantastic season. By the way, College Game Day will be at JMU in Harrisonburg, just down 81. So, so College
1: Game Day is going to be there for a team that has no chance of playing in a conference championship game.
3: That is correct. Crazy. As Yeah, so JMU put – this was just a Hail Mary, I think, because it was done by JMU, it was done by Jacksonville State, and it was done by Tarleton State. These are new teams in FBS that are trying to – get a waiver from the NCAA. Now, this is just to play in a bowl game. This is not to play in the conference championship. This is just to participate and be bowl eligible with the amount of wins they have because all three of these teams are bowl eligible. Now, that waiver was rejected by the NCAA Board Administration Committee, and they. so essentially the only way that JMU, Jacksonville State, can play in bowl games, I, I don't know if Tarlington State's bowl eligible or not in the article that's being read here, both JMU and Jacksonville State cannot play in a bowl game unless there are not enough 500 or better NCAA teams in Division One. So they're going to have to depend on that to make a bowl game, which I – I, I get why. Because right, we have a text I want to get to. I, I get why they did that because that's opening up a can of worms. But come on, Jamie, has got a chance to have an undefeated season? You're going to leave
1: him out of the postseason. That's ridiculous. Text is 304 263 4321. Texture says, Good morning. Let's get your opinion. Does Neil Brown survive until next year? And if he doesn't, who do you think they hire? Is Jimbo Fisher even a remote possibility? I know there are two games and a bowl game left to evaluate Neil Brown. Uh, but what's your gut tell? Thank you and love the show, says the text. And we really appreciate your text. So for WVU football, I think Neil Brown has done enough to save his job this year. I truly do. I think that we are, Garrett Green not taking his helmet off away from them being 7-3, and three, still competing for a Big 12 title game, and this not even being a question. Mountaineer fans are interested because with Jimbo Fisher available, they think that that would be a perfect fit. I think it would be awesome to get Jimbo Fisher here, but I think Neil Brown's done enough to save his job. I expect him to finish the regular season at least 7-5, and five and... uh win a bowl game so I think Neil Brown's going to be back next year I'm not against Jimbo but I'm not going to fire Neil Brown off of his best season just to get to Jimbo Neil Brown is still trying to establish his
3: legacy as a coach right now and he's he's proving that he's taking the right steps albeit a pretty easy schedule for WVU yeah that is and and I'll in all fairness, but he's trying to establish things right now. He's fighting for his job. What would Jimbo Fisher have to fight for as coach WVU? It's a vanity project for him. So I say keep Neil Brown next year. He's done enough to save his job. And, I mean, like I said, Jimbo's getting paid uh, Brink's truck some money to Texas A&M. He has no reason to coach WVU, so I think they stick with Neil Brown next year.
1: Yeah, very good. Th- I will tell you this, though. If you're Ren Baker, you're crazy if you don't answer the phone if Jimbo Fisher calls. But that's going to do it for us. This has been Panhandle Sports Live. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Yeah.